Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank Discussion with Passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, Maitre Linda Hammerschmidt joins us to answer your questions about family law, divorce, custody. We'll talk about trust, division of property. Any questions that you have, she can answer. So get your questions ready at 514-800. You can text them in, and uh, you can call us in, too, at 514-790-0800. But first... Let's take a look at the inbox. Make a connection anytime at 514-800. You can also email me your questions to lori at drlori.com like this person did. I have a psychological issue that keeps happening when trying to have sex. I even took a variation of Viagra given to me by my doctor in order to try and solve the issue, but I guess the psychological issue was too strong since it didn't work. Every time I try to have sex, no matter how strong the desire or how close it happens, as soon as the thought of not being able to perform comes into my mind, it's all over. All it takes is for the thought to just come into my head and I'm done. If there's any advice you can shed on this issue, it would be greatly appreciated. Or if you think maybe a meeting might even help, and in brackets, worst case scenario, although it may be necessary since the first time the failure happened was a few years ago. So it's been a while. I just need a way to try and channel out the thoughts because even though I know I'm in completely fine health and completely capable of having sex, as soon as the thought comes into my mind, I begin to have a problem. So just to shed light on this, and this is something that comes up, um, I would say uh, for sure several times a week just on the program, but in my office, I probably see this um, almost on a daily basis, a male who comes in with this anxiety problem. And it, it, it is performance anxiety, exactly textbook what you just described. Um, and it is every time, as you say, the, the thought comes into your head that, oh my goodness, is this going to work? Am I going to get hard? Am I going to lose my erection? Am I, am I, you know, all of those things twirl around in your head and you lose focus and the focus needs to be on your body and your bodily sensations, not what's going on in your head. And you have to understand that your body goes into um, like an automatic response when there's fear. So if you think of anxiety as a fear, as a, an irrational fear, but it's a fear nonetheless, your body doesn't know the difference between that fear and any other fear. So it goes into what's called a fight or flight response to that fear, which means that the blood that was flowing to your genitals is now needed to fight off or flee. Uh, and so it goes to your vital organs, your extremities, your heart, your lungs, etc. So meaning away from those small little arteries in um, in the penis. So you have to know that this is what's happening. And the, the more you think about it, the worse it gets. And then you create this whole, uh, this whole cycle. The only way to get past this is a learning some mindfulness techniques. So learning how to be in the present moment, learning how to be in your body. It is a practice. It's like a breath work or yoga or anything like that. You need to practice with time to get to a point where you're, um, you really 
can uh, keep your mind free of all of these thoughts. The other thing too is to be in a situation like the context matters. So being in a situation with someone who is understanding, who you can talk to about these anxieties and these fears, who you feel safe with, who you feel comfortable with, and eventually um, that will stop happening once the pressure is off. But the pressure has to be off. It has to be both ways. Like you have to be with someone who can say, don't worry about it. Like, you know, we can continue to pleasure each other. And even if you don't get an erection, it's an, it's not a big deal. I know it's not me. I know it, it, it has to do with your fears and your anxiety. So let's just let it go and let's focus on other things. And if you have a partner who can engage with you like that, makes you feel safe in that environment, then that this problem will go away. This is not a permanent state for guys. This is very much uh, curable, very much curable. 514-800 if you have uh, if you have any questions. I just met a man that I'm interested in. Is it appropriate for a woman to call a man and how long should I wait to do so? He has kids who he spend who he will be spending this week with, so I imagine if I don't hear from him throughout the week he is busy with his kids? Question mark. So in my books, if somebody is interested in you, even if they are busy with their kids, even if they have the kids, it takes what? 10 seconds, 30 seconds to shoot off just a text message to connect. There's no, almost no excuse in this day and age, right? You you can send off a text saying, really, really busy with the kids, thinking of you. Um, we'll call you when I have a moment, for example, or something like that. So I don't think that that's a reason not to connect, especially if that person likes you. I mean, there should be. I don't know what anybody else thinks about this. And you ask the question, is it appropriate for a woman to call a man? I think it's perfectly appropriate. Um, the, the waiting how long, I guess that's the part I really, I don't know. Like, I don't like to play games like that. So if you are interested in somebody and you had a really nice time and you want to call them the next day and say, hey, I had a really good time, um, you know, I hope we could do it again soon, you can throw the ball in their court and see what happens. I don't see any, any, any problem with that at all. But this whole like, oh, I'll just wait two days or three days or four days or... I don't know. I, I just, that's just not in my nature to play that kind of game, but maybe I can hear from guys who can answer this question. How, you know, how do you feel about a woman reaching out first or, uh, or calling? Uh, this texture writes, if no phone call at least once or twice a day, alarm. So, uh, so I guess a red flag for this person, uh, writing in. So I, like, I tend to agree that if, if, if you, if you're hitting it off and, and you like each other, then those phone calls or at the very least a text message in this day and age, uh, you should expect. I, I, I don't think that's, uh, too much to ask. Uh, I don't know. Anybody else? Um, then somebody else says, don't call him, let him call you to new. Okay. So that's, uh, from a guy. Don't let, so let him call you. Um, that's one answer, one possible answer right there. 
Uh, have, let's see. Have you ever encountered people who thought they wanted the Dom sub experience only to realize that really wasn't for them? Myself, I once said to a guy that I was interested and that I had rape fantasies, and I remember how happy he was and how willing he was to slap me hard across the face. And I froze. My fantasy and his weren't really at the same level. Well, uh, right. And there's a good situation uh, to talk about how communication is so important. You have to tell your partner what you expect, not just generally I like to be dominated or I have this rape fantasy and I want to play it out with you, but more about what are the boundaries to this? You have to, it's absolutely necessary in these situations to discuss boundaries. Clearly you froze. That's not what you expected. Now you need to have a conversation about what it is that you would want uh, because clearly that's not it, right? Uh, Coming up, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt uh, will answer your questions about family law. If you're going through a divorce or separation and you have questions about custody or finances or anything to do with that, uh, then do call in or text in at 514-800. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Love this uh, segment once a month, the last Thursday of every month of Relationships and the Law. And Maître Linda Hammerschmidt joins us. She specializes in family law. She is not only uh, very well informed and knowledgeable and all of that, but she's uh, quite funny. I'm a hoot. You are a hoot. You're definitely a hoot. Happy we, New Year. And, oh, yes. It's been that long. Yes. Happy well, I New haven't Year. seen you since. I know. What's moved good? into the new decade. Yes. Well, it's good to see you. Really you good too. to see you. All right. We've got a question Great. right off the top. Um, my friend received an inheritance of $250,000. He is married and tells me his wife does not have any access to this money. Is this true? Well, what do you mean by access? She can't go to the bank and get it? Or in general, down the line, if they get divorced, she won't let's, have any access? Let's take both. Okay, so it <laughs> uh, depends on their matrimonial contract. I mean, okay. if they have one or if they don't have one, if they're separate as to property, fine. But if uh, he takes any portion of that money and puts it into a family asset and can't prove down the line that it was an inheritance clearly to the satisfaction of some court in the future, should that be uh, necessary, uh, then whatever portion that might have been might become, you know, partitionable. Uh, so if he, if he takes it, it, invests it in some stock or mm-hmm. a GIC or whatever like that, then no, the- well, assuming again that they're separate as to property, then she isn't entitled to have a portion of it. But if it's generating, you know, horrible, or whatever, horrible right. interest rates right now, back in the old days, I could say 10% and it was great and it was right. easy for math, you know, because <laughs> that would have generated 25000 <laughs> And let's pretend that it's still right. 10%. So it would have generated $25,000 annual income for him. And that would be considered by the court 
when they are determining his capacity to pay spousal support, child support, whatever, but not that she gets it. But on the other hand, <laughs> there's always on the other hand, okay. uh, if she's making some sort of a claim for lump sum because they're getting divorced and she wants to go back to school to recycle herself and it costs X dollars or she wants to buy a new car or invest, wants to put monies in whatever, or, you know, mm -hmm. or buy a house. Then, and he's sitting there with a lovely 250000 plus dollars now in his bank account. Uh, then, you know, court's going to be more apt to consider the claim, should it be, you know, well-founded, than if the guy's uh, only got minus $250,000. Mm -hmm. So it's not a given. It's not Nothing like, is a given in family law. Right. That's, that's, that's the horrible part about it. And people get mad when lawyers tell them, well, it could be this and it could be that and it could be the other thing. Because in fact, that's exactly what it is. Could be this, could be that, and could be the other thing, depending on, you know, when I first started practicing law, we didn't have prestation compensatoire, which is compensatory allowance. Didn't have family patrimony. Didn't have, didn't mm. have. And every time the legislature wakes up and decides, oh, there's a great idea to screw up everybody, and they, they write a law. They write a law that's so incomprehensible that nobody, including the courts, can actually figure it out. Wow. And by the time the law goes through the court system and first instance court of appeal and finally in Ottawa, then, you know, and then once that's all done, depending on what province you're in, it could be a notwithstanding. But, you know, if you're in Quebec, but be that as it may, by then they might change the law again. Right. And start the whole thing all over again. So don't blame your family law lawyer who can't give you a concrete, <laughs> definitive, this is not like I'm going to buy, sell you four pounds of concrete and you're going to get four pounds of concrete right. and it's going to cost X dollars. This doesn't happen in family law. Right. Nothing is clear ever in the code, in the Divorce Act, in the courtroom, or between the parties. Right. No matter how- Are we now crystal clear about that? I think so. Is that clear? Yeah. No, no matter how- because. I, you know, you often hear, oh, yeah, I, I have a great case. It's like uh, open and shut. It's so clear. It's so clear. It's so clear. But you've seen. There's nothing clear there's nothing about clear, clear. Right, right. There's nothing clear about clear. And you've often said, too, it all depends on the judge. And it depends on, I mean, because people often, well, my neighbor, you know, down the street got divorced and he had to pay this or she got that or what. That's great because you don't really know what's going on behind your neighbor's door. I don't care how close you think you are with mm -hmm. them. There are some things people just won't tell you. And that's usually the part that determines what the court did with them. So there's always ways in, out, around, whatever. Usually. Is really what you're usually, saying. Usually. Men and some people just get screwed. So Sadly. there's no way around some people getting screwed, right. either by the system or the schmuck they married or the schmuckess that they married. I don't want to be right. accused of being, you know, discriminatory here. Everybody can be a schmuck. Yeah. Like, you, Isn't it? You got a Wonderful. firecracker up your butt today. Uh, 514-800. I'm the firecracker. Uh, no, no, no. It's seeing you spurs seeing me. me on to oh, be a okay. firecracker. <laughs> That's good. And a hoot. I think. I think. Uh, 514-790-0800. If you have a question for Metro Linda Hammerschmidt, you've got her right here. She'll give you advice. I'll give you, you a wanna, clear answer yeah, that it's not clear. Whether you want to hear it or not. <laughs> you know, sometimes I think people are afraid to to actually hear the answer. And this is why some people avoid... Well, this is why some people shop around for lawyers until they get the one that agrees with them. Doesn't mean they're going to get it. By the they way, just... sa same happens with therapists. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't want to hear a what they have to say. A colleague of mine just the other day gave me a particular thing. A guy... You know what? 
This sounds very familiar now to your $250,000 question. Uh, but in any event, got all this money and she cheated on him. So why should he have to pay anything? And no matter how many times the lawyer tells them, well, because that's the law and you're going to have to, and it doesn't matter if the person cheated or whatever, because it's very crystal clear in the Divorce Act, conduct of the parties shall not be a determining factor in the financial partitions of the family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, she cheated on I me, mean, whatever. Now he's going to find somebody that's, oh, poor you guy, you know, she's cheated on you, we're going to get her. Doesn't mean damn nothing. Anything, because, you know, judge is going to say, sir. So and, and if the lawyer, the next one, is stupid enough to take this case, having told the guy that he's not going to have to pay because she cheated on it, the judge will go, mate, <laughs> vous avez pas connu la loi? Allez dehors avec votre client réglé. So, and for any of you that, that didn't understand that, the judge is telling him to go out in the hallway and settle because the nobody knows what the hell they're right. talking about. So, but that's a good question because I've I have in my of course in in my practice just as a therapist, how many times I can't tell you how many times, but people come in upset. Obviously, their partner uh, has cheated and they're divorcing and and blah blah blah. So and the anger at having to shell out a dollar to shell out any money for somebody who totally betrayed them and left them and what have you when it wasn't their choice std whatever uh that happens a lot same thing happens with the children when one person one parent turns the children against the other one the other one will say why do i have to pay child support they don't even talk to me right nobody cares (laughs) That's a good point, but that's another one that's I hear that often too. Is that it, with parental alienation and what have you? You you're forbidding me, or you turn my child against me, but you still keep wanting me to to dish out money. Yeah, uh-huh. sadly it's, they it's still so have to horrible. eat, even I, yeah. if they're miserable kids. I yeah. say just move to some other country where there's no extradition and have some more. Yeah, who are nicer. Uh, our passion poet weighed in. You want to hear his poem for the night? I don't know if you know that we have a poem, like a resident poem poet. <laughs> Did you know that? I know Aaron Rand had one or something, but yeah, go this ahead. This is another one. This is our passion poet. <laughs> I will love you forever, but please sign on the line. I will share everything I have, but for a limited time. Watch our our new TV. Enjoy your favorite show. In the back of my mind, I'll take it when I go. <laughs> Let's pool our money, but I will hide a stash because when I hire a lawyer, I will need the cash. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, it is. Actually, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. I want a copy. <laughs> that's a good one for you. You can use that one. Yeah, yeah. Take a screenshot over there. Yeah, I will do that just for you. Uh, so other, I guess there are other issues that you uh, you wanted to bring up as well, some things that have uh, have come up. Actually, there was a question. We forgot to tell people to call in. Yeah, 514-790-0800. You can call in, speak to uh, Linda, Metro Linda Hammerschmidt directly, or you can text in your question at 514. 514- 800. So I did get a, a text, and I, 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 unfortunately, I'm doing it by memory because by mistake I erased it off the text board. So if the person listening has wants to give me more detail, that's great. Um, I think it was something about it was a guy writing in wanting to know how likely is it for him to get full custody of his kids. And I remember thinking, well, I don't have much information, but what can we say generally about? The, what is the likelihood of the dad, for example, getting full custody? What are the conditions? Well, to get full custody, there has to be something really wrong with the mother. Okay. 
because normally speaking, a trend, and I hate to use the word, but it could be that it's more like joint custody, and joint custody doesn't have to mean that it's 50-50 division of time. You can have joint custody and have four days, uh, one parent has four days and the other has three in a week or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, you know, if you've been involved with your children since the get-go and responsible and you're not a drunk and you're not a ne'er-do-well and you're not a criminal and whatever like this, man or woman, you know, uh, then uh, it's the best interest of the children that the parents share custody, assuming that they can tolerate right. each other enough to speak to each other. Well, they, Although they there have, have been to. judgments that when the parents really can't talk, it's, you know, certain judgments word that, you know, you'll pick up the child at school so that there's less interaction right. between the parents during the school year, obviously. And in the summer, well, you can, assuming that there are in-laws or siblings or around that you could you know drop the kid off at this place you pick the kid up at the place right. and back and forth and whatever like this and sometimes it's been mcdonald's right if it has to be i mean there are people that have had to share custody or access time between toronto and montreal and they meet in kingston right right so many things can happen and certainly it all depends on the workings already of the uh, couple pre having decided to hate each other right and uh, and also what the other parent wants and this guy if, if the like i've seen a situation where the mother has agreed I, I knew one mother who had said fine you can have the kids full time just make i i want the house <laughs> or something like that like an ex, like an exchange i'll well, take that's the lovely, finances but finances and kids you can't trade I off i know uh, listen i'm not saying it was a, well, a it was I'm, a, a I'm healthy thing not, but yeah. it's not healthy thing i'm saying you it's not going to work and it'll be overturned down the road if somebody wakes up and said what the hell did i just do right you cannot say i'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollars but you can't have the children i'm going to get not can't have i'll leave you the children but give me a hundred thousand dollars yeah leaving the children means you're going to have full-time custody right. correct well it's not valid okay it's public order custody and only the court ends up saying that and if somebody goes and says i bought them <laughs> your questions answered by metro linda hammerschmidt From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Lots of custody uh, questions coming up here. Uh, Metro Linda Hammerschmidt answers those questions. Uh, relationships and the law tonight, the last Thursday of every month. 514-800 to text in. You are always welcome to call us, too, at 514-790-0800. Don't be shy. Yeah, don't be shy. Let's finish that to what we were just talking about earlier because it was a, we were answering a question about, let's say, the... The uh, buying and yes. selling custody, right? Buying and selling custody because it has happened, right? Where somebody says, "If you give me money, fine, take the kids. Just make sure I have money." And or it's happened. I've seen it that somebody has given a large lump sum to somebody who who has the children and says, "Well, don't come and ask me for any more child support." That's not going to fly in a courtroom. That doesn't fly. No, I, I knew someone where this happened, and they never pursued anything it. for the children ha is public order, and public order can't be overridden by the parties. And okay. any time, the judge has the final thing. So if you paid $50,000 and thought you were off the hook for the rest of your life, you're sadly mistaken. Okay. 
I've seen that situation happen I mean, a few times. You can't come back the next day and ask for maybe no. more money, but the next year, because it depends on your lifestyle, how right. long 50 grand lasts. I knew a, a, I knew somebody who that exactly would happen, and she ended up pretty much going into poverty and wasn't, and I don't know if she ever fought to get more. I don't think she knew she could because that's exactly the agreement is I'll give you a lump sum, don't ask me for any more money. Yeah, well, unless it was several million dollars. No, it was not. Huh. All right. Um, here's and even a, then it wouldn't work because if somebody can pay several, several million dollars, it means they have some several million more left. Right. Let me uh, let me share a couple of uh, messages here and, and uh, email, uh, text. Hi, I was married for less than six years, two boys from the marriage, paying child support and alimony since uh, January 2014. This is my seventh year I'm paying alimony. My ex-wife doesn't work and she has no plans to work in the future. What can I do to get rid of alimony? I know child support is something different. Please advise. How long is someone on the hook for paying alimony? They've only been married less they were married less than six years. She's he's gonna have to pay her forever? Shouldn't have to pay forever. Depends also on if he knew, uh, like, is she not working because she's ill? And if she's ill, did he know about that before they got married? In which case he accepted the fact that he was going to be paying for her because she can't support herself. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of variables in there. But uh, one could go back to court, court and ask for a term so this person can, you know, get on i don't depends on the age of the people if mm -hmm, you're talking mm -hmm. you know you, you said there's children involved but i mean if this couple is 60 years old plus uh probably gonna be on the hook and if the person's 30 years old it's you know move on and mm -hmm. get get recycle yourself and do something so how do you if you let's say the the ex-spouse refuses to go get a job can you order do you have to go to the court to say what like you get them to order you can't order them to to go to work okay no. however if uh, at the beginning of a divorce proceeding somebody isn't working the court's not going to uh, uh, use that as a big criteria to stop support but as time ticks on and if they're got divorced and she's still not working and the court says well you should recycle yourself you know within the next two years three years okay. one year whatever it is and the person's still not working and can't sh demonstrate that they made a valid effort to try to find employment like if you married somebody i don't want anybody writing in to say i'm being racist discriminatory mm -hmm. or whatever but if you hired somebody from some country where english or french is not their best language and you brought them over here and they can't find a job don't be surprised that you're going to be on the hook because you, that's the situation you signed up for. Right. Now, I'm not saying it's going to last for 30 years support, but it's a big uh, battle up the hill uh, to, uh, you know. So regardless, you have to you, you have to go to court for this. Yeah. Of course. If, you know, if you can't sign an agreement or go to a settlement conference and get this all ironed out. Right. Okay, if there is shared custody, does someone still have to pay alimony and or child support if both parents work? Well, it depends on if both parents work and one earns 25000 and the other earns 150000 It's It's not all just because somebody has a job slinging hamburgers at McDonald's uh, that the other person's going to be able to not pay support. 
all comes down to the numbers. No, but first of all, the specific uh, factors in the relationship and in that particular family household mm -hmm. that's going to govern what happens down the road after a divorce is coming along. So uh, just because you're sharing custody of the children, if you're not earning dollar for dollar the same amounts of money, then things, and obviously if the person's paying alimony, you know already that that's not the case. They're right. not earning dollar for dollar. So it, let's say in a situation where you have a couple and they are earning dollar for dollar. So mm -hmm. they each have, they each make, let's say, $50,000 a year mm -hmm. and they have 50-50 of the time. Yeah. They just split the expenses 50-50 like nobody that's has to That's what should anything. happen. Okay. Doesn't always happen. Nothing always happens. That's quite true. As I think I made it abundantly <laughs> Very clear, clear at earlier. the beginning. Yes, yes. Uh, all right, here's another question. My, you know, but if you don't want to pay alimony for the rest of your lives, don't get married. Yeah. <laughs> In this province, anyway. And by the way, alimony goes both ways. I've I've seen situations where it's not just the guy paying well, alimony. Well, it should be if it's exactly. the, the flip situation and the guy's earning 25 and she's earning 150. That's right. Don't be surprised. Right. You know, I, f I always find it fascinating how people get surprised. <laughs> when all the facts are there, the same facts as the judge is going to look because at. Because there's so much emotionality that goes into all of this when you factor in Just why you need to and, get these oh. things ironed out before you get together. Yes, I know you advocate that, but so many so few people actually uh -huh. do that. This is why I'm still employed. Yeah, and you will be till the day you die. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, something to look forward to. <laughs> right. Uh, my 11-year-old grandson, in full custody of his father, no longer wants to visit with his mother for the court-appointed times, meaning weekends. What are his rights? Does he have to refuse? Does he have the right to refuse? So the 11-year-old grandson. Doesn't want to see his mother. Doesn't want to visit his mother. Apparently, there's already court. I don't know what court appointed. Does I that guess mean by a consent or or was there a judgment based on youth court or you know? Let's say language to one and language to another right. is well, different. Let's, but in any let's event, say that was the agreement in, any in court. Event, in any event, the child is still only 11 years old, so it's going to come down to why does the child not want to visit with mother? Mm -hmm. And is it because father is turning the child against mother? Uh, in which case we're talking about the parental alienation and therapy may have to be requested and ordered in order to help the child through this. Or do they, you know, is what it's not normal. It's not usual for mm -hmm. a child not to want to be times with both parents, even if it's not, you know, long periods of time with one parent right it's not normal but maybe and i feel you know we have supervised access and in you know and you meet your kid in a room and what right if i was a kid i wouldn't want to be in that circumstance either if you're two years old it doesn't probably matter if you're right. 12 years old 11 years old you know and to sit in a room for an hour but and i think this this what i get from this is that they had agreed that the kid would go to visit the mom on weekends and he doesn't want to go there on weekends yeah well then you really have to know why and is it a valid reason is or is it because uh uh, dad just bought him a dog and mm, uh, mommy doesn't have it exactly yeah. or uh, his best friends having a party every week or they're in so soccer. he doesn't this, he doesn't just have the right to refuse just like that the child the child no and right. the father doesn't have a right to just encourage the child to not, not go, go. 
Okay. You're going to go. You're going to have a great time. You come back. You'll tell me all about it. Blah, 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 blah. Right. He gets to be 14. That turns into another story where they then have an automatic right to be heard, should they so wish. And a judge will, you know, as the older the child gets, the more a court will pay attention to what they want. Just because what they want, however, doesn't mean it's going to happen. Court is not bound by the child's desires, but will have to listen to them after a certain age. Right. And we can talk about what age that so is coming up. don't have children <laughs> and you don't have to worry about any of this. Don't get married that's and it. don't have children. Oh, yes, get a dog. and that's the oh, answer. That's it. Get a dog. <laughs> that's what Linda did. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll talk about uh, some questions uh, answered here about child support and other questions that uh, you still have some time to get in here uh, with Maître Linda Hammerschmidt. with Dr. Lori Batida on CJAD 800. Got a few minutes left uh, to uh, question, send in your questions for Maître Linda Hammerschmidt, who's on the program. She's on every month answering your family law questions. All right. Uh, I was very lucky when I got divorced, this person writes. It was about 25 years ago. We used the same lawyer. We had one child. Told my wife at the time, if I have to pay support, I will go broke fast. We came to an agreement that 5K in a trust and I will finance her needs, school clothes, outings, just about everything. Lawyer said it would not fly, but presented it. Judge did not make immediate judgment, but my wife got a call from the judge and asked if she thought I would keep my word. She supported me 100%. He put it on a one-year trial. The judge called the other party? That's totally inappropriate. Uh, Apparently. Everything worked out great. My uh, ex and I are still close friends. My daughter is 38 with five kids of her own. Sometimes things work out great. Very, very But he was very responsible. I mean, obviously quite responsible. I don't know. I don't like the part, quite frankly, that says, if I have to pay support, I'll go broke. To me, that sounds like a threat. And who knows what the situation was. But good for you people. (laughs) If it worked. Um (laughs) <laughs> Let's see. Anyone uh, know what is that? Can how can someone go after child support that is in arrears if the payee is self-employed and earns cash? Well, the lifestyle. First of all, you have to go to the court with a motion to uh, adjudicate the lifestyle and impute a revenue for this self-employed person. Because if their tax return says they earn uh, $30,000 and they're living in a million-dollar home and they're going on vacation and they have a Ferrari, whether it changes colors or not, as we heard during the news, uh, is obviously no judge in the world is going to believe that the person only earns $30,000. And uh, some judges can be creative as to how uh, they end up having to put up money to ensure that things are paid, but... You know, it's always a struggle when you're a self-employed uh, person. Well, when the when, when your ex you're is go- the self-employed yeah, I mean. person, right, right. Uh, you somebody says you can stop paying alimony the minute the person gets remarried. No, you can't. No, no. So if a person gets remarried, your ex not unless gets- that's in your agreement, and it will never be in a judgment that has to be agreed to between the parties, because as always, the court has the final rule. And just because you got married and there's been a case and it's gone, I think, to the Supreme Court. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> the person got married, but the the person she married. 
didn't have money exactly okay and so and in any event she was getting alimony to compensate her for having been married to the other guy and that didn't change the compensation package has nothing to do with the next guy because she was entitled to have this money because she spent 20 years with the other guy Mm -hmm. so you know so if you want to just stop paying without a judgment that says you can stop paying Mm -hmm. good luck with that (laughs) so as your as your whatever employment salary is seized your bank accounts and whatever down the road <laughs> so there you go you are wrong you sir. can't stop paying child support just because a kid turns 18 either right oh we've had that conversation I, i'm sure the answer is no to this one too can you okay move can, on to the next question can you have the lumps a lump sum settled through the court does it ever happen that somebody says i'm going to just give you a lump sum and then that's it Yes, but the lump sum has to be significant enough that's going to be able to uh, provide for the needs of the person for, you know, X X amount of time. If the person's 30 and they're getting $100,000, it's going to go nowhere fast. And if you're 75 and you get $100,000 and you already have some money, maybe that's okay. Mm -hmm. So the, the number to buy the freedom of not having to pay support has to be... Uh, commensurate with what you're trying to get out of even the even child support or that doesn't child fly. support you can't not, you ever cannot. ever ever make a lump sum payment you okay you know unless you're had a Cirque du Soleil back in the day mm-hmm. and you put up I uh, can put up a billion dollars to guarantee whatever that that's something else but most people can't do that right and you can never never negotiate away child support the mother can't and the father can't Okay, that uh, <clears throat> makes a lot of sense. Because the right belongs to the child, and the child is in a position to negotiate for themselves, which is why they can't renounce. Mm-hmm. You can't renounce the child support. Okay. What about the last uh, issue I want we can talk about is um, people who put money in trust to protect that money from the other uh, partner. Let, let's say you, you have a, a chunk of money, you're divorcing, you want to protect your money, so you put it in trust to your kids. You, you're not, it's not for you, but you want to keep it for the yeah. kids. Well, the problem there, right there, is that you're doing it because you know you're getting divorced. Yes. As opposed to you did it 10 years earlier when the child was born, and that was the plan to put this money in trust for the child's future needs. Mm-hmm. So the intention of why the trust was created and where the money went, and if you took money out of, I don't know, you collapsed your RSP and you put it into this trust, your RSP is divisible under the family patrimony rules, so you're dilapidating an asset that the other person is entitled to 50% of. So all of these uh, factors will be looked at as to whether or not, and if it, the trust, you're putting your house, the common domicile where you live in the trust, that was in your name, let's say, from before to supposedly keep it out of the hands of your spouse, that's not going to fly either because the Supreme Court of Canada just ruled that that doesn't work. What what was the last ruling? Because we were, we were talking about that. <coughs> I'm losing my voice here, sorry. Uh, the last ruling was that the couple, the one of the couple had put the house in a trust and the other person wanted it to be included in family patrimony. And uh, in the first instance, the judge said, yes, it's in family patrimony. The person wasn't happy with that. So who had created the trust, they appealed it, and the Court of Appeal ruled in their favor. So the other person appealed it to the Supreme Court, and they said the appeal court should have never bothered to intervene because they were wrong. And so if in certain circumstances, 
you know, the intention again, what was the intention of putting the money if the person is the sole person to to uh, administer the asset and all sorts of controls. There's different things, but basically you can't get your house out of being divided simply by putting it in a trust. Hmm. Uh, something else, if it's a company, it's because that's not a family residence and the company doesn't belong in the family patrimony asset mix. So here's a, f a follow-up question. I remember my dad put the house in my mom's name. We just talked about that, you and I, off air, in case he passed away. So technically, she owned the house then, right? Well, it's not technically. Absolutely, she owned the house. Now, <clears throat> I, I don't know from that question if the mother and father were getting divorced. But if the intention was to protect the asset from creditors, like, for example, right. a lot of people are have their have a company and so they want to protect it from the creditors of the company <clears throat> and that's the intention of doing that mm -hmm. then then uh, it's not a given that the person who's putting the house to protect it that way will be able to not get it back if you understand just because you put an asset that's in the family patrimony in your wife or husband's name doesn't mean that you have no renounced right. your 50% of that asset. Right. I think that's the important thing. Again, I think a lot it of all comes down to the intention that the court sees as to what, what, what occasioned the act of putting the house in somebody else's name. If, on the other hand, it was to benefit your spouse, like you really did it because your spouse... Uh, the second marriage and they want to feel secure financially and you did it like that and then 10 years later you decide to get divorced and say what the hell did I put my house in her name for or whatever mm -hmm. you're not going to get it back necessarily <clears throat> because your intention at the time that you did the act was to benefit her mm -hmm. so just because you're mad now it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't change the, doesn't change the, it the intention right so that's what he asked they never got divorced the question would be if they did he couldn't touch it he could, even if it's in her name, is what you're saying. Yes. Right. So, see, I think for many, I mean, I'm glad we talked because there's so many things that we, ha like so many ideas that we have about the law. Preconceived notions. <laughs> Preconceived notions about what is and what, I don't know where we get it from. I don't know if we get it from TV and it, it has to do with American law some here friends, or some other. other experience. Exactly. It's not your experience, so. so. Um, so I, pre I appreciate getting uh, clarity on that. Not that I'll remember all these facts, That's which is why back. you're there and which is why if you need a lawyer. <laughs> where can people call you if they need you, Linda? 514-846-1013. <laughs> and also, I should say you your articles are very uh, always very um, informative. In, in the, the Montrealer in or Westmount Magazine online. Right. Which is, What's your latest article? Well... There's there's two of them, but the the one that seems to be uh, the most entertaining at the moment is my take on traffic tickets and what you should or shouldn't do to get out of them. Okay. And not not the terrible traffic tickets like you you know uh, pass a well even a pass a school bus. I'm talking about uh, parking and uh, in the wrong place or you didn't stop at you the stop sign or you went through a traffic light or something less nebulous than you know. Good. We need to speak. Not driving we need drunk, to speak for after the show. I got a parking ticket. I want to. I'm fighting. So oh, well, that, we'll talk about it. Those two. <laughs>
<laughs> okay. And the next Great. time we'll be talking, I'll be in Florida, so you'll we'll do be... it by phone. Yeah, that's right. We'll do it by phone while you're on the beach. Wonderful. Uh, well, thank <laughs> Hopefully you. Hopefully, I'm not on the beach at ten o'clock yeah, at night. That's Lori. true too. Thank you so much for uh, joining us and answering our listeners' questions. We always appreciate. I appreciate getting all of your texts, of course, and, and your questions. And I want to thank you. Uh, for spending uh, your precious time with us tonight. Thanks to Chris Aiken, our technical producer tonight. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com, where you will find the podcasts of all our past shows uploaded there to, uh, by the next day uh, so that if you want to share them or listen to them or what have you, you have them right there. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.